0: Let's hear from God's Word, Hilary.
1: <coughs> the reading this morning is taken from John, chapter 3, verses 1 to 16. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing in God No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Hilary, very much indeed. Now, I don't know about you, but I love a good story. Where the characters are interesting, the plot is unpredictable and the reader is kept in suspense, not really able to anticipate the ending until it's disclosed. And the Bible is actually full of really good stories. One of the problems for those of us who read the Bible so often is that uh, maybe we get to know the stories so much that we kind of miss the fact that they are so exciting and so special. And some of the Bible stories are a little bit less obvious because uh, you kind of have to piece together a number of different sections to get the story. And that's true of Nicodemus, and that's what I'd like to do this morning because whether you know this character or not, here is a great story, here is an amazing person who's Contribution into the life of Jesus is recorded in John's Gospel. And uh, stay with me as we follow this story. Here was a Jewish leader who was curious about Jesus and therefore about faith. And this was quite a challenge in itself because the Pharisees were by definition those who taught and practiced Judaism. And one of the main Jewish expectations of the time was that the Messiah would come and they had very fixed ideas as to what that Messiah would look like. And Jesus certainly didn't match their expectations. And the vast majority of the Jews of the time saw Jesus as both a nuisance and a threat. They opposed everything that he said, and he did. But deep down, Nicodemus felt differently. He was curious about Jesus. He wondered, what if there is some truth in what Jesus is saying? He's just turned water into wine at a wedding in Cana. He's challenged the money changers and those who were selling doves in the temple courtyard. This man has courage. This man has power. Many people are following him. What if he's right? Could he possibly be the Messiah? Nicodemus was attracted by the character and the teaching of Jesus and he was curious to know more. And so we find Nicodemus kind of popping up in the gospel story on three different occasions. We find him, first of all, with Jesus at night. Nicodemus had some questions for Jesus, starting by acknowledging that he was a teacher who'd come from God. And he didn't really get to his first question before Jesus jumped in and spoke about the need to be born again. That was all a bit much for Nicodemus. How can someone return for a second time into their mother's womb Yet Jesus, of course, was speaking about spiritual birth, not about human birth. Jesus is not just curiosity value. We're confronted by his word and his truth. And we need to hear clearly today what Jesus said to Nicodemus in the middle of the night. Truly I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of spirit. You must be born again may not be the language of our society, but it is the language of Jesus. Any woman who has given birth will understand this analogy in a way that I cannot possibly understand. But I do think we can say that the focus here of using the analogy of new birth is not so much to talk about the experience of the mother As the transformation of a baby from one space to another space from one kind of living to another kind of living we have a wonderful book at home called being born which touches on the emotional aspects of birth from a baby's point of view what is going on here as the baby makes that phenomenal transition from the womb into the world Something very profound. And this is what Nicodemus, what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus about coming to faith. Something very profound is happening here. Not just accepting creeds, not just believing in a person, but journeying into a new dimension of life. Conversion is a sense of turning around, but new birth gives the sense of moving on from one life to another. And both images are entirely appropriate in coming to faith in Jesus a spiritual regeneration that's very different from any kind of external right. Something that any Jewish audience represented by Jesus might themselves represent. And a very key question from Nicodemus in John chapter 3 verse 9 part of our reading is when Nicodemus said how can this be? And the extended response of Jesus takes us to one of the most familiar verses of the Bible that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life and that of course is the key to the gospel that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son Jesus who in his death and in his resurrection provided the way whereby we can have eternal life but did Nicodemus accept that? We're left in suspense in this story. This is a story of an elusive character in the time of Jesus. And we don't quite know how Nicodemus responded to this nighttime conversation. Then he pops up again in the temple a little while later. It was festival time. And Jerusalem was crowded with visitors and Jesus was teaching in front of the crowds in the temple courtyard. And many people were attracted by his teaching and wanted to believe what he was saying. But they were afraid because of the Jews and of course one of those very influential Jews was Nicodemus. And in this setting Jesus spoke of himself as living water. In fact, it's in this setting that our text card for this year comes. Let anyone who is thirsty, said Jesus, come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. The Pharisees were cross that the temple police didn't arrest Jesus on the basis that he was deceiving the crowd with some false teaching. And here comes Nicodemus again onto the scene. And this time he talks to his fellow Pharisees and reminds them of what their own law says, that no one should be judged without first being given a hearing to find out exactly what they're saying and doing. And Nicodemus is pushing his fellow Pharisees at this point, appealing to them to listen to Jesus, to give him a fair hearing. But even that triggered a dismissive response, as his fellow Pharisees said to Nicodemus, do you come from Galilee as well? as if nothing good could ever come from that part of the world. And again, we're left in suspense. Nicodemus gives no answer to his fellow Pharisees. Once again, we don't really know what Nicodemus believed. But there was something going on in him, because he was wanting to defend Jesus when his colleagues seemed to be unfair. And then there's one more time that Nicodemus comes into the story of the life of jesus and the third time that he pops his head above water as it were and appears in the gospel stories just after jesus had died we don't know if he actually saw the crucifixion firsthand but what we do know is that he prepared some very expensive spices to lavish the body of jesus for his burial and that he accompanied joseph of arimathea to the grave no spoken words are recorded this time. If there was any conversation between Jesus and uh, between Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, then the conversation between those two remains unwritten. But the great extravagance of the gift of these spices says more than words could ever say. It wasn't any of the Marys who were standing by as Jesus was crucified, nor was it any of the disciples. It was rather two most unlikely people who took care of the body of Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. And that's the last we hear of Nicodemus. He remains a bit of an enigma. We know that he was curious about Jesus, that he talked with Jesus at night, that he was prepared to challenge his fellow Pharisees to give Jesus a fair fair hearing, and that he provided generously at his death. But we don't know what was really going on in his heart. He seems to come into the Gospel story at three very significant moments. But in the end, there's not much we know about him. Nicodemus, a fascinating part of the story. And that's why I think he's such a powerful character. Because I don't know what is going on in your heart today. You don't know what's going on in the hearts and lives of those who are around you. And those of you who are joining this service from home today. I don't know whether you are just curious about Jesus or whether you do believe, as our song just said, that he is the Son of God, the Saviour of the world. I don't know whether that transformation of new births has really happened to you and that you have journeyed into that new way of living that comes through believing in Jesus or whether you're watching from a distance. I don't know whether you would defend Jesus in the company of those who do not believe or whether you'd hide in a crowd. I don't know what moments of generosity have quietly flowed from your life and in what way they have been prompted by what you know of Jesus. There's an awful lot about us which is hidden from other people. But there is nothing that is hidden from God. He knows your heart. He knows if you, like Nicodemus, are someone who's curious about faith. And he also knows whether that curiosity has grown into a wholehearted commitment. Because curiosity in itself is not enough. Jesus calls us to put our trust in him. To stand up, to be counted for him, to sacrifice our lives for him. We saw glimpses of that in Nicodemus but never knew how deep his commitment really went. And as far as I know, there's not any other record which tells us anything about him. I wonder, if everyone was like Nicodemus, would we have had the story of the early church that was on the video in three and a half minutes? I love the curiosity that Nicodemus shows And if you relate to Nicodemus today, then that's wonderful. That element of curiosity, that asking of questions. I love the way in which Nicodemus defended Jesus. That's great. I love the generosity that he showed as his death. That is great. But it's not the whole story. Curiosity needs to develop into commitment. Where are today's the Apostle Paul's, Peter's, and Timothy's? The pioneers of the early church whose boldness and courage had such a profound impact on those who were around around them and through whom that church spread and grew so fast in those early years. There's a sense in which we're moving into a new generation of church life. And as we move into that, where is the excitement, the apostolic spirit the depth of commitment that will lead to people coming to see and to know Jesus for themselves. Don't stay in the place of curiosity. Don't hide in the crowd. Don't limit your faith to times when no one else is watching. Stand up, look up, step up. And let your curiosity grow into a deep and wholehearted commitment. A commitment that is expressed so powerfully in baptism that leads on into a growing discipleship as you allow Jesus to have full control of your life. Hear the story of Nicodemus and then move on from curiosity to commitment. And the way in which we're able to respond to that this morning is through this very familiar but special act of taking bread and wine in communion, which is not just a ritual, but it is a true heartfelt opportunity to say, yes, Lord, I'm not just curious about you, I'm committed to you. And so we're going to distribute the bread and the wine while we sing the next song, And those of you at home, I trust that you have got some bread and wine ready so that you can share in this part of the service uh, as well. And uh, we'll distribute while we're singing. And therefore, I'm going to suggest that uh, you remain seated while you sing this time because uh, that just makes it a little bit easier. And those uh, deacons who are involved in serving just to come across to the table and and to distribute the elements. And then all together, we will eat and drink after the song.